just described in Romans chapter 4 is that Abraham believed God and God counted it, he imputed it, put it to his account, that righteousness. So Abraham was saved, he was counted righteous by faith. Now verse 23 says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So if you tonight, if you believed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and you've trusted him as your savior, the scripture says that God, that Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you. And that verse 25, who was delivered, that Christ, he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So we know that the scripture says that Jesus Christ in him was no sin. He didn't die for his own sin. He didn't have any. And when Christ died, he died for our offenses and he was raised again. So you and I could be justified, declared righteous before God. So that brings us now to a huge transitional verse in Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as you continue on through this chapter, you find out that we were enemies of God. We were sinners. We were without strength. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves. But through all of that, because of what Christ has done for us, being justified, being declared righteous before God, we're no longer enemies. We have peace with God. Let me ask you, this past week, did you revel in the fact that you have peace with God? You know, we've all seen someone come to know Christ as their Savior. And, and when we think about the day that we got saved, we remember what it was like to remember, man, all my sins are forgiven. Well, you know what? This upcoming week, you can remember the fact that your sins are forgiven. They are washed away if you're saved. And you have peace with God. You're not at war and He's not at war with you. Uh, no longer does the wrath of God, like it says in John chapter 4, for those that have not believed, the wrath of God abides on them. But if you're saved... You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also, not only, and what he's going to do in this chapter is he's going to tell us now, because we're justified by faith, he's going to tell us a whole bunch of things that we have. First of all, we have peace. Secondly, verse 2, we have access. Let me ask you, how many of you tonight would love to have access to Area 51? I just want to know what's there. Let's get it out in the open. If there's nothing there and it's a big hoax, that's great. But if there are, you know, Denver's family members there, we want to know what. <laughs> Maybe somebody would like to sit down with John Stossel and interview him. You know, I saw it, it, the interviews that he gives. He's, he's just really gifted, it seems like, to give interviews with people. Um, but the scripture here says we have access to something way cooler, Denver, than Area 51. All right. We have access... How do we have it? By faith into this grace wherein we stand. You and I, as, as we go to work tomorrow, as we interact with our family, with our friends, with the long lines at the post office, we can stand in, in God's grace. We have access to that every moment of every day by faith. So a, a huge blessing. We have peace with God. We have access into grace. Verse 3, and not only so... I'm sorry, I skipped ahead here, verse 2. But, but by whom also we have access, by faith, into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
And this is what I want to talk to uh, you about tonight. This is what we're going to see from the scriptures. Rejoicing in hope and tribulation. Now, the first part's really easy, and it's really awesome to get excited about. The second part, not so much. All right, but let's look at the first part here. We'll get you real excited, and then we'll give you the downer, okay? All right, uh, verse 3, or verse 2, the end of verse 2 there. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This hope, uh, we're going to talk a few minutes here about what biblical hope is. This weekend, there are a lot of people that put hope in a lottery ticket. You know, there was the big mega millions. Some of you, I know you would have given it to the church, but some of you played. So, <laughs> no, I don't know. But um, you had one and a half billion dollars in revenue. So, as people across this country, we spent one and a half billion dollars buying pieces of paper to hopefully win these millions of dollars. Biblical hope is way different than, oh, I hope I win the lottery. Biblical hope, it's a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. Now, there are a lot of people that think that there was a chance of them obtaining that millions and nah, just there were a lot of disappointed people on Saturday when they looked at their ticket. Way new. Um, <laughs> hope differs from wish and desire in this, that it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. Um, let's look at a, the way the scripture uses this word. Uh, look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. He says, we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope. Proverbs 10 in verse 28. Proverbs 10, 28, the scripture says, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. So see that synonym, see that comparison that God makes? He says, hope for the righteous is like this. The expectation of the wicked is like this. So see how God's using that in that verse? Also look with me, flip a chapter over to Proverbs chapter 11 and look at verse number seven. Verse number seven. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perisheth. So see how biblical hope here in Proverbs, the way he's using it is, it is, the, it is your expectation. So it's something that hasn't happened yet, but there is, it's more than just this wishful thinking. It's more than this, you know, before Sean and I got married, after I'd asked her to marry me, and she actually said yes, my expectation from then on was, She's going to marry me. Now, there was a period of time where that had not happened yet. But it was more than just, oh, man, I, I hope she marries me. She had a ring on her finger. And I mean, come on, it's me. So, <laughs> no, but there, there was more than just a hopeful. Now, when, we, when I met her at camp, there was a whole lot of wishing going on, you know. And she, to this day, still says that I was out shooting hoops, apparently, and I saw her, and she was like half a mile away, and I like threw the basketball down and ran over there to her, making it real obvious that I was kind of attracted to her, but I'm like, I was not that lame. I mean, guys, whatever she tells you, I mean, come on. This is me, all right? Scriptural hope, biblical hope, there is an expectation. It's simply, I know this is going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. So um, 
Now look back at, uh, look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, using the same word within the same book, gives us a little bit more here to the context. But we saw some from Proverbs that God makes hope synonymous with expectation. And it's different than the way that we use it today. We use it more as a wish or uh, as a desire. Romans chapter 8, and look at verse 24. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 says this, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So if I went home today and, and I called up one of you guys and I said, Man, I really hope that Shauna marries me. Well, that just doesn't, that doesn't make sense because that event has already happened. So why would I hope for that? She's stuck, okay? So, um, but verse 25 says, But if we hope for that we see not then do we with patience wait for it? So again, this idea that once the, the, script, the Bible says it, uh, actually, I can't remember whether the scripture says it or I've just heard of this in a song, but our faith shall be sight. When Christ comes back, right now we're hoping for that return. Let's go and, and look at that. Um, uh, this is interesting. Hebrews 11 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we're here in Romans still. Look, look back with me at our text. So we see what he says our hope is in. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse number, the end of verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice... And Pastor really hit on that this morning, didn't he? When we, the, the exact same word actually was in, his, in, in the text that we looked at. Rejoice. Be overly excited. This is joyful. This is, this is unbelievable. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God. Let's see what that is. Um, look at Titus. Look at Titus. He, so he said that there's something that we're rejoicing in. It's, there's a hope that we have of something that's going to happen. And not just something that's going to happen, but someone who is our hope. Titus chapter 1, and look at verse 3. You know what? That is not right. Um We actually looked at it this morning. Do you guys remember? It's uh, the the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Is Titus two thirteen? Sorry, yeah, that's where we need to be. Titus chapter two, and verse thirteen. The Scripture says, "Looking for that blessed hope." And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in Romans, Paul says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We are expectantly waiting for the appearing of our blessed hope. Not just, you know, the rapture is going to be a great event, but it's the one who's coming back at the rapture that we're looking for, right? That is our hope. And, and just like Pastor preached this morning, and actually even took us to this verse, we rejoice every time we think about the Lord coming back as, as we grow in our walk with the Lord and as we grow in our love for Him. The day that that, as that get, the event gets closer and closer, we just are able to be more joyful and more joyful in the fact that He's almost here. 
we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And again, the pastor talked about it this morning. Right now, Jesus Christ, we know that he's the king, but this world does not recognize him as king. But he's coming back, and there will be a day in which he is lifted up and glorified in this earth, and um, he is seen of all men. But for us, we're looking for that blessed hope, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only do we rejoice in Christ and in his appearing, but let's look back at our text now at the, you guys ready for the downer? All right, Romans chapter five. And we'll see that our first instinct is to think that this is a downer, but God's going to show us that it's not. Romans chapter five and verse number three. Um, so he has just said, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, which is real easy to do. How many of you get excited when you think about the Lord coming back? That's awesome. And not only so, but we glory in, ooh, that's not a fun word, in tribulations also. How in the world? I mean, it's easy to get excited about Jesus coming back, but tribulations, things that are painful things that hurt things that i don't have any control over <laughs> those things i'm supposed to rejoice with the same joy of jesus coming back we rejoice in tribulations um why would we do that well he goes on here knowing that tribulation worketh Patience. Oh man, this verse is getting fun. (laughs) You got tribulation and it works patience. How many of you right now, you can right now think of somebody that is more patient than you are? And all of the wives raise their hand. Um, (laughs) All of the husbands raise their hands. Amen? Lady said. Okay. Some of you are awake. Tribulation worketh patience. Uh, patience is this. It's the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper, endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. He's saying, come on, man, I can endure it, but I don't even get to say anything. I don't even get to murmur. If you turn teenagers, murmur. Just every time you think of what murmur means, it's this. Murmur, 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 All right. It's kind of one of those onomatopoeia kind of words. We just bow, pow, bang, crash, boom, murmur. Murmurs when you go, what? How come we have to do? How come we can't do this? How come? How come we have to go there? How come I can't? Murmur. All right. <laughs> James 1.3 says this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let have patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Um, you know, one of the most difficult things about enduring a tribulation, how many of you would say one of the most difficult parts of it is not only the pain, but the times when you can't really control what's going on. And you don't have any say in it. You know, sometimes there are things that we bring upon ourselves and we bring tribulation and consequence upon ourselves. But other times there are just things that happen and we just don't have any control over that. There, there's no way to see that coming, and there's no way to do a single thing about it. It's tough. But tribulation, the Scripture says, worketh patience. Um, look at John chapter 16. Let's see what the Lord says here. John chapter 16. Many of you, as soon as we see this, you'll, 
remember, you're, you're familiar with this verse. John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things have I, I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you might have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Is that how he said that? Is that how you wish he had said that? <laughs> uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the inerrant, infallible, perfect, preserved word of God says, your life, you're going to have tribulation. You're in this world, but be of good cheer. He has overcome the world, and he's our hope that we're looking for, right? He's our, he's our blessed hope. Um, You know, let's look at the example. Paul gives us an example here, too, through the inspiration of the Spirit. Of uh, Look at Second Thessalonians. The church in Thessalonica, some of their people there, just like us, they experienced these same things. Tribulation, working patience in their lives. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll start in verse, let's just start in verse 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace. Isn't that interesting? We have peace and we have access into this grace. Over and over again, you see those are uh, two words over and over used again in the scriptures. Verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other uh, aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. So Paul, he's going around to these other churches, but he's telling everybody about what's going on in Thessalonica, about those believers, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So as God brings and allows tribulation to come into our lives, he is going to work patience. And patience, um, how many of you would say, you just be honest and say, you know what, I could use some help with patience. How many would say, yeah, I could use help with, I could use a lot of help with patience. You know, it's an amazing thing that we have a great God that can change us, that can take people who naturally are impatient, naturally who would murmur and complain, Look at this. Look at Romans chapter 15. This, this word, uh, these words are used all through Romans. And so again, it, it just helps us to understand the context of our chapter. But look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Because you might be sitting there thinking, you know what? I, I just, patience, that's just not me. I just, just can't do that one. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Now the God of patience... And consolation grant you to be, what's that next word? <laughs> God is a God of patience. And he can help us to have his mind, to be like-minded. I mean, the God, we st uh, studied it a couple weeks ago, about the forbearance of God. The Bible says that when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. God, at any point in time when Noah was building that ark, could have just said, you know what? Forget this. You're all dead. You're dying. And just, he could have foregone the flood thing, you know, and just burned them all up 
obliterated them, made their molecules go all over the place, let it go, and he would have been completely just and right in doing so. But the Bible says that he was long-suffering. And we know in Second Peter, he says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that he is long-suffering. And here, the God of patience can help you to be like-minded, can help you through that tribulation to develop patience. So not only, let's uh, go back to our text here, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. Patience works experience. Um, I, I love what this guy said. He said, experience is more than having, experience is more than just having done something before. It's having gone through the trouble that accompanies a particular task. An experienced mechanic is the mechanic who has dropped the tools, burned his hand on a hot engine, banged his head on the bottom of a car, and etc. He has learned what not to do as much as he has learned what to do. How many of you guys would testify, hey, I'm an experienced mechanic, but it's because I half blew myself up in my car engine one time, you know? I still, to this day, you know, I'm getting better with uh, jumping the car, not jumping on the car, guys, but jumping the car with battery cables. And I'm getting to where I almost feel pretty good about doing it without looking at the picture on the case before I hook them up. The spark there every once in a while still gets me a little bit, but uh, I've never reversed it. So all of us can identify with that. Experience is more than just, oh, I did this once. It's, yeah, I had some bumps and bruises along the way. And what God is going to do is he's going to bring tribulation into our life, things that sometimes we can't control, things that we don't like, that we would have chosen differently for ourselves. And he's going to begin to change people who are not godly-minded, Christ-minded, that are patient, He's going to begin to change them to be more patient, to be like-minded, like Him. And that's going to work experience in our lives where we're going to be able to help other people through the same thing. Um, Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Tonight, we're going to be helped by Paul's experience and what God brought into Paul's life. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, look at verse number, we'll start in verse 9, Philippians 4, 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at uh, the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye have lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, I bet when they began to whip Paul with the cat of nine tails, three times they said he received stripes. He, he talked about being beaten with it on his back. I bet that as he began to go through that, he thought, God, I can't do this. 
I'm trying to just tell these people that you love them, that you died on the cross to pay for their sins. And they want to kick me out of this city. They want to stone me with stones. They want to whip me on the back. God, I can't do this. And God said, Paul, I know. But you can do this through me. And Paul learned in, uh, in all these different states being shipwrecked. I don't know about you, but there, I'd rather, I think, almost be burned alive than get shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean with the sharkies and stuff. Just, you know, I'm out on that, man. Getting stranded in the middle of the ocean. Oh, you can't see what's down there. James uh, Cameron. I, I, has, has anybody seen photos or, uh, of James Cameron, the uh, guy that made Avatar? just took a one-man submarine down to like a new record depth in the ocean. And I didn't get to see any photos yet of any creatures or anything that he took. Anybody, did, did anybody see any photos from that? Uh, anybody know that he went down there? <laughs> well, he went down there and it was like thousands and thousands of, of feet deep. And, you know, you get that far down and it's amazing the way Job describes what God created and what's in the ocean. Um, but it's really cool. I just don't want to be shipwrecked in that ocean, okay? Um, but Paul, he says that he learned in whatsoever state he was to be content and that he could do all things. What, what right now is going on in your life that you say, I, Lord, I can't do this. And the Lord's like, that's right where I want you to be because that makes you go to him. That makes you depend upon him. And, and, three, and, and we know uh, Paul's account where he said, three times I prayed that the Lord would take this thorn from me. And every time he said, no. My grace is sufficient for thee. For in, in, in Paul's weakness, he was actually made strong because it turned him to the Lord. What is God using in your life to turn you right now to him? To make you more dependent, more sufficient, and realize he is your sufficiency. Because we can't do this. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Um, he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And it took those trials, it took those tribulations, it took those persecutions of Paul's faith to make him realize, man, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. So patience works experience. And then experience brings... Biblical hope. Look with me back at uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It says, verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing. See how that knowing it's tied in with hope? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. So the things that the Lord has taught you to, to trust Him in, um, and the things in your life that God has brought you through, you're going to be able to have hope. So when you see other believers going through those tribulations, and it may not be the exact same thing, but you could tell them, you know what, man, I, I can't understand what you're going through right now. And I, I can only imagine it's hard, but the Lord will help you. And, and you can show them different scripture verses on this, but you have that hope, that expectation that what God has done, he has been perfect. He has been right, and He is maturing you and I as believers to be more like Him. And it says this about our hope, verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. Teenagers, someday when you stand before God, 
and you look at Him face to face, and, and you've lived your life for the Lord, you're going to stand before Him. And there will be people that made fun of you for being a Christian, made fun of you for taking a Bible to school, made fun of you for downloading a Bible app on your phone or iPod, whatever it was. And you're going to stand before the Lord and go, it was all true. The Bible was right. God was true. And they're going to hang their heads in shame that they made fun of you, that they didn't come to church with you, that they didn't take the invitation, that they didn't listen to you. You're not going to be the one that stands before God and be like, oh man, I shouldn't have really trusted God there. Hope maketh not ashamed. As you grow in your walk with the Lord, the decisions, the sacrifices that you have made for God, you're not going to stand before God and go, oh man, I wish I hadn't lived for the Lord. That was dumb. Hope maketh not ashamed. You're not going to be the one to stand before God ashamed. The Bible actually says that we don't want to be ashamed before him at his coming. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. So I love the song. We're on the winning side. The guys, did the guys West Coast, did they sing that song? Uh, They warmed up with some other songs, but the song, I'm on the winning side. Praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. We read the back of the book. Yep, the whole millennium thing, it happens and we win. (laughs) We get to be with the Lord. And I'm not going to be ashamed. You and I, our hope, it's not going to be confounded. We're not going to find out that we were wrong. We're going to find out that every word in this book really is true. It's perfect. God preserved it. It's amazing God speaks English. I love that, you know, when Pastor says that. God speaks English. He knows what was supposed to go in this book so you and I could read it, know Him, understand it, live for Him, and tell other people about Him. Hope maketh not ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. I hope that you'll be bold in your faith this week and that as you go through the tribulations, you'll remember God is doing that for a purpose. He's developing patience, and God can use you to help somebody else down the road someday. But through those tribulations, just like Paul, he found out that's where he needed to be because that enabled him to see how much he needed to trust God in those moments. Look with me in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And look at verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Tonight, I hope this week that you can rejoice in the hope that the Lord is coming back and be patient through those tribulations and allow God to turn you to Him. And then remember, we're not going to be ashamed at His coming. We're going to find out our faith will be made sight and then we won't have to hope anymore We'll be with the Lord, who is our blessed hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much tonight.